we have Pastor Joseph Gross, who's going to be uh, coming and sharing with us, a real man's man. Heard he killed a dragon one time with his bare hands. I don't know. Thanks, my brother. Morning, men. How are you guys? I got here from Silver City yesterday. We floated in on, a, on an ark, and uh, no, it's great to be here. You know, it's, I don't know how we're going to get home. I hear the freeway is closed, but I guess we'll have to find an alternate route. I'm really, really excited to be here with you guys this morning. It's such a, a blessing to be able to uh, share some of the, the things that God's placed on my heart with you guys. And I'm really excited because it's always, to me, a privilege to be able to talk to men, a, a room full of men, because God has called you men. He's called you to be the leaders of your homes to be the leaders of your family spiritually. God's called you to be, all of us men, to be the priests of our homes and to set the tone spiritually and to really to be an example in our homes of, of godliness. And there's nothing more influential in a home, in a family, for a wife and for her children, for sons and daughters, than the moral power of a godly husband, a godly father, a godly example. See, guys, if we want our children to take their faith seriously, then they have to see it in our lives. Our families must see um, our faith and our walks with God that we are taking our walks with God seriously. We can't lead where we are not willing ourselves to follow Jesus. Does that make sense? If we're going to be great leaders, we have to be great followers. We have to be greatly dependent upon Jesus in our lives every single day. And so, to me, there's nothing more tragic than to hear a, a child say these words. And I've heard this happen. I don't want to be like my daddy when I grow up. And they'll say stuff like that sometimes because they'll see how ungodly their fathers are living. But even more tragic than that, even worse than that, is when a child sees their father living ungodly and they say, I want to be just like my daddy when I grow up. That's even worse. Now, because of, of the responsibility that God has placed upon our shoulders, I really want to encourage you guys this morning to think about that, to think about the kind of man that you are and to think about the kind of godly leader that you're being. Are you being that man that God's called you to be? Now, we're blessed this morning. I'm really, I've been really excited about coming to this conference as well, uh, just to hear the, the great lineup, lineup of teachers and pastors and speakers and all. And, uh, and what I've been praying for is that and, and this conference is called Expose, and praying that the, the Holy Spirit will do a fresh work in exposing things in our hearts and in our lives that, don't, that the Lord doesn't want to be there, that shouldn't be a part of our lives. And also that the, the Holy Spirit will expose our hearts to a, a new and a fresh work of the Holy Spirit within, within each one of us. I think it, it is impossible to live the Christian life, guys, apart from the daily infilling and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's something I share with our fellowship all the time. My daily prayer, I said it this morning, I wake up every single morning and I pray every single day for a fresh, a fresh filling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now let's go ahead and take a look at our text. My text this morning is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. And so that's where we're going to be. We're just going to hang out at that one verse. And I wanna, what I want to do is have, the, have them put up on, on the screen, put it up on the screen. And what I want us to do, guys, is let's read it together, okay? Because I want it to sink into our hearts and minds. We're going to do this at the beginning and at the end, all right? So let's go for it. Ready? 
For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Amen. Amen. What a great text. What a great verse. What a great exhortation. I just finished teaching through this book, the book of Ephesians, and it took about 10 months to do it. And what an amazing book. When this book speaks to us about godliness and about faith and about our position in Christ, our place in Christ, the, the possessions that we have in Christ, the riches that we have in Christ. It speaks to us about our great salvation that we have in Christ. So those are sort of the first three chapters, but then the, the next three chapters, the last three chapters of this, of this book, chapters four through six, teach us all about our walks and our responsibilities now that we are believers, now that we are saved, now that we are in Christ. Now, God is not only interested, obviously, in justifying us and in saving us and forgiving us our sins. Praise God for that. But God is also interested in transforming our lives so that we become more and more, as time goes on, that we become more and more like Jesus. And that's a process, and we know it's a process called sanctification. When we get saved, we are justified, we're declared innocent, we're washed of our sins. But then there's a process by which God begins to change our lives, and there's always work to be done. So what happens when we get saved? What happens when we get born again? Well, that's a miracle. A radical miracle in and of itself. Look at Ephesians 1.13. Kind of describes it there a little bit. Really, I love the way it says it, but look what it says. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also trusted. This describes what happens at salvation. In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth. Do you guys remember that? You remember when you were exposed to the gospel and someone shared the gospel with you? And so that, that moment when you entrusted your life to Christ the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Before I came to Christ, before you came to Christ, we were lost. We were separated. We, look, what, look over at Ephesians 2, and 2, 1, and 2 says, it says this about where we were B.C. He says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Now, I remember one night coming home, and uh, I was given a Bible, and I'm going to talk about this young lady in a little while, but I was given a Bible by this young lady. I had never read the Bible. I was raised in the Catholic Church. I went to the church with my parents growing up. I, I learned about God. I went to catechism. Uh, the, the highlight of my catechism years was that was for my first kiss, you know, ditch catechism and kiss my first girl. And so that, that's, that happened in catechism. But I, I went to catechism, did all that stuff, but I was given a Bible, and I never, ever knew what was in it. I remember holding it for the priest. Were there any altar boys here? Any, any of you guys? Hello, fellow altar boys. Oh, no, just kidding. <laughs> so, so, yeah, some of us were altar boys, right? And so I held it for the priest. But I didn't know what was inside there. But one night, I was sitting at home reading this Bible after a night of partying. I'd been out partying with my friends. And, and I came home, and I had the munchies. And I was, I was reading Ephi uh, Galatians. I just popped it open. I didn't know what was in there. 
And I was reading Galatians, and I came to this verse, Galatians chapter 5, if you want to look at it, 5 verse 19 down to verse 21. Just popped open to this spot, and my eyes fell on this spot. And here's what it says. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, uh, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I remember I wrote, read those, and I, I, like I said, I'd been partying that night and didn't know anything about the Bible, had been reading it here and there, mostly when I was stoned, and I was reading the Bible that night, and these words just jumped out at me. And I began to come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And when I saw those words, that those who live like this or practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, it's like the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Joseph, this is you, and unless you stop, unless you change your direction, you are going to end up in hell. And I remember when I came to Christ on Easter Sunday, this was 36 years ago. I was under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I really needed to change my life and, and the way that I was living. So when I came to the Lord and Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 took place and I, I, I had heard the gospel, I believed, that point from that day on my life was transformed and it's so amazing because I look at the verse that we're gonna talk about this morning and when I saw this verse I thought, man, what an awesome verse that describes what has taken place in our lives as believers where he tells us very clearly here in Ephesians, in, in chapter 5, verse 8, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so I've been given this text, and the title of this is, is The Transformed Life. And it speaks very candidly about what takes place in our lives when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You see, when we come to that place and Jesus, and we meet Jesus, we come to the foot of the cross and, and our sin meets the blood of Christ. His blood is so pure. His blood is so powerful. His blood is so spotless, so holy that, that it cleanses us of all unrighteousness. I was thinking about this, preparing this this week about what we were and how we used to live and, and how by nature we are born sinners. I have, you know, I have, uh, I'll probably talk about them a lot today, but I have five grandkids and I love my grandkids like crazy. But you know what? They are little tiny sinners. They're little sinners. Anyway, put up on the screen, I wanna, I'm gonna show you what I, uh, I thought about this week. Let's see if it'll come up. Will it come up, guys? There we go. I wrote this this week and it says pigs like... Pigs like nasty mud. Sinners like sin. A pig rolls around in the nasty mud and gets all dirty, nasty, and stinky. Sinners partake in sin and get all nasty or dirty, nasty, and stinky, spiritually speaking. It's in a pig's nature to love stinky, nasty mud. It's in a human's sinful nature to love sin. And then it says, and the only way to be changed as a human is by the power of God to regenerate us and make us a new creation in Christ from the inside. 
freeing us from the power and the bondage of sin. Only God's miracle-working power can turn a sinner into a saint. Sorry, pigs, you have to stay pigs. <laughs> Isn't it a great thing, though, that the Lord can powerfully and radically change our lives? That's what this verse is talking to us about. What the Lord can do in bringing about changes in us. So that we went from, from a wicked, evil lifestyle, and now we have become the Lord's. And a lot of us, when we came to the Lord, think about it, we had accumulated all kinds of guilt. We had lived a sinful lifestyle. And then the Spirit of God began to work in us and began to bring us to a place of repentance. Now notice Paul says how he describes our lives B.C. It's much worse, by the way, than you probably imagine. I always chuckle when I hear someone say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I was a nice guy. I'm a good person. And, and especially, you know, those, some, some of those people are the hardest people to reach with the gospel because they think they're good. And they're not good. That's a distorted self-view. See, God's view of all of us B.C. is much different than we may have thought. I remember uh, going to my class reunion and I had been pastoring, this was my 20th class reunion. I'd been pastoring the church for a little while in Silver City. Came back to, I went to Cibola High School and I came back and we had our class reunion. And you know what those class reunions, everybody kind of like, you know, checking each other out. You, you bald, you know, how fat you are and all that stuff, you know, and, and how you've changed or not changed, you know, all that. Anyway, I'm talking to one of my friends that I went to school with and played football with. And we were having this conversation back and forth. And, and so, you know, you ask each other, what are you doing now? Where do you live? Blah, blah, blah. And so I asked him what he was doing. He told me he was doing construction. And then he goes, uh, he goes what about you? And he goes, where do you live? I go, I live in Silver City. And then he goes, uh, so what are you doing now? What do you do out there? I said, and I, I said, just for the heck of it, I said, take a guess. And he goes, you're a drug runner. I said, no. I said, no, I'm a pastor. He goes, what? <laughs> he said, but it's funny because I thought to myself, why did he say that? That's not nice. But, but it's funny how people see you versus how you see yourself, but how God sees us is what's important. Our condition before God without Jesus Christ. He says, for you were once darkness, he says. That's the canvas that God paints of our lives. Black. You were once darkness. You know, I, Paul said, I know that in my flesh, this is Paul the Apostle, I know that in my flesh, he says, dwells no good thing. Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, desperately wicked. Who can understand it? See, darkness in Scripture represents Satan's kingdom. It represents everything that is evil about this world. And you see, before we came to Jesus Christ, we were part of Satan's kingdom. We were his slaves. We were his puppets. He had taken us captive. We were once darkness. Now notice it doesn't say you were once in darkness. It says you were once darkness. Not just in darkness. You were darkness. That's what he says. And so Satan had us. I remember uh, one time going over to my friend's house. His name was Jeff Montoy, one of my best friends growing up in Bernalillo. And I went over to visit, hanging out with him, and, and we were big-time stoners. And we were always getting stoned. And so we went over to his house. We were high. And we sat down for the family dinner. And the mom and dad didn't like me, really, because I think they thought, it was just funny, I think they thought I was being a bad influence on Jeff. 
But then my parents thought Jeff was being a bad influence on me, you know. So we were, we were good buddies, and we had some other friends, too, that we hung out with. But we were sitting at the table, and Jeff's mom was a Christian. And we're high, you know, and we're laughing, we're messing around. And she looks across the table at me, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. She looks right across the table at me. And my nickname used to be Jody, because my dad was Joseph uh, Donald, and I'm Joseph Dean. So they call me Jody growing up. She looks across the table at me, and she says, Jody, she said, Satan is using you. And he's laughing in your face. <laughs> well, when you tell a stoned person that, it sort of freaks them out, you know? <laughs> I remember I went home that night and I laid in bed and I, was, I kept thinking oh, those words were haunting me over and over and over. Satan's using you and he's laughing in your face. And she was right because, see, darkness represents obscurity and ignorance and blindness. And so, B.C., that's what I was living like. I was living in ignorance of Jesus. I was living in ignorance of heaven and of hell and of the judgment that I was about to face. I was blinded to all of that. I was in total darkness. It also speaks of impurity. Darkness speaks of rebellion. It speaks of all of these things, falsehood and error, sin, so that's what he's saying. He says, you were once darkness. We were darkness. We epitomized darkness. Our deeds, our thoughts, our actions, our words, all of it was darkness. We walked in darkness. We practiced darkness. That was our lifestyle. Ungodly, rebellion. We were in rebellion against God. And for some of us, we lived in immorality. When I came to Christ, honestly, now I can look back and honestly say this. When I came to Christ, my life was nothing but darkness. It was thick darkness. A little bit of my testimony, I'll share with you guys a little of my testimony. When I was in first grade, there was a high school kid in my hometown of Bernalillo that, that was friends with a group of friends, kind of the neighborhood friends. And he took me back to the ditch, the canal there in Bernalillo, and he molested me. And this happened two or three times, and nobody knew about this. Only I did. But I remember feeling dirty, feeling guilty, feeling awful about what had happened to me. And I was only a first grader, but that started my life down a really dark path. When I was in ninth grade and I was 13 years old, I got my girlfriend, a cheerleader, pregnant. And... I ran from it. I didn't, she told me she was pregnant. I stopped talking to her. I stopped calling her. When I'd see her at school, I'd go the other way. I, I didn't know what to do. I was 13 years old, and I was freaked out, and she was pregnant. And she ended up having an abortion because I didn't man up. Then I got involved again sexually when I was 16 years old with my girlfriend. And not long after that, she gets pregnant. By that time, I'm already hooked on pornography, I got introduced to pornography, unfortunately, by my own dad. I found some under his bed one time, his stash of pornography. And then I started looking at pornography. Back then, they didn't have internet. So you had paper girlfriends. So I had paper girlfriends on paper, pornography. And then came the second pregnancy. She was 17. She gets pregnant. And this time... I wasn't ready again. I was still messing around. My mind was messed up. And so I took her, and she had an abortion. She aborted our baby. 
So now I've murdered two. I've been involved in murdering two of my own children. Then when I was 18, still partying, still doing drugs, getting worse and worse and worse as time went, it happens a third time. Now this time, you know, I'm, I'm a full-blown stoner. I'm a full-blown druggie. And I'm trying to deaden the pain already from the other stupid things I had done in my life. And I'm just partying like crazy. And, you know, I was such a stoner and such an, a, I, I call myself back then a stoner evangelist. Because I thought that marijuana was G, like Jesus. I thought marijuana was the answer to all of life's problems. So I preached marijuana. I got my younger brother who was, I think, 15, 16 year old. I introduced him to marijuana. I remember coming home one time and my grandma, 78 years old, and she's sitting there smoking a cigarette. And she used to like to drink a shot of whiskey. And I said to her, Grandma, what do you get out of that? What do you get out of smoking cigarettes? Oh, I don't know. I like them, you know. And uh, what about whiskey? You like getting high, right? You like partying, Grandma? Yeah. I said, let's get stoned. So I talked my grandma into getting stoned with me like an idiot, right? Thank God later on I was able to lead her to Christ. But, you know, this was the kind of life that I was living, and I just got darker and darker and darker. And so I just did more and more stuff to dull the pain. Then I got involved in opium and cocaine and uppers and downers and snorting locker room. And I mean, I was just messing my life up worse and worse and worse. And then I met another young lady. Started to hang out with her a little bit. She was a senior in high school. And guess what happened? I got her pregnant. So I get this girl pregnant. And she's young and all and I didn't want to marry her, you know. I was just partying and having fun, I thought. And so what I did is I said, no, I'm not going to be with you. You know, why don't you just have an abortion? And so she did. She had an abortion. And I'll never forget the phone call when she called me. Because she called me crying. And when she called me, she said to me, we had baby twins. They just killed our baby twins. Now, at that point for me, guys, it, it, my life was so dark and getting darker. My heart was hard, but yet I, I, couldn't, I just couldn't take the guilt and the torment. So what did I do? All I did, well, I considered suicide. I almost committed suicide one night. I just thought, you know what, man, my life is a mess. But instead of doing that, I just started drinking more. I started smoking more. I started doing more drugs. Then when I was 19, still stupid, hadn't learned anything from all of my mistakes, I got another girl pregnant. And I remember seeing her at a party. It was an Easter Sunday party. And the reason that we had these Easter Sunday parties is because if you guys remember, some of you guys probably did this, as Catholics we would give up stuff for, for Lent. Remember that? Anybody give up stuff for Lent in the past? So I would do that, right? So this, this one year, I said, yeah, you know what, man? I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up smoking pot, but I'll give up drinking or whatever. So, you know, or else we, you know, we give up drinking whiskey, but not beer. Or, you know, we give up smoking pot, but not snorting cocaine or whatever, right? We just do, you know, stupid stuff. Anyway, I see this girl that I had been, been with before, and we're at the Easter Sunday party, the big old 13 kegger. And there she is, and I'm so plastered, I'm so wasted, my best friend starts talking to her, we're talking to her, and I noticed she was being kind of rude, and I didn't even realize what my friend had said to her right then. I'll tell you what he said in a second. So I thought to myself, hey man, I haven't seen her for a while. I'll give her a call. I still had her number. I called her that week, 
And she answers the phone, and I said, hey, how you doing? How you been? You know, and I'm trying to be nice to her. And uh, she goes, what do you think? I go, what have you been doing? What do you think? I go, what do you mean? She goes, didn't you notice? I go, what? She goes, didn't you hear what Jeff said? I said, what did he say? What happened? Did you swallow a watermelon? So my friend told her. And I was so plastered, I didn't hear her. And I said, what do you mean, swallow a watermelon? She goes, I'm pregnant. I go, oh, really? Congratulations. I go, who's the dad? And she goes, who do you think? <laughs> oh, great, right? I'm freaking out. Uh, guys, I've been making the same mistake over and over and over, and now this girl is eight months pregnant. And I said, how do you know it's mine? She goes, well, it's yours or another guy's. And so I said, well, it must be his then. God, goodbye. And I hung up and I ran away again. And so, you know, that's, that was my life. And I just kept partying. I kept messing up and getting worse and worse and worse. And after that, I, I finally met a Christian girl. I was 19, 20 years old. I met a Christian girl. And this Christian girl, she was always trying to talk to me about Jesus. She would try to talk to me about Jesus. She'd say, you know, it'd be cool if you came to Bible study with me. I said, no, no, you know what would really be cool? If you smoked a joint with me. No, no, you know be neat. You should come to church. No, no, you should drink some wine with me. And guess who won out? I ended up winning out. And so I ended up winning out, and pretty soon, here's this Christian girl who was trying to lead me to Jesus, and instead of that happening, I led her further and further away from the Lord. And I can remember my arguments. She'd say, well, you should go to Bible study. I said, no, 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 it's a sin. I'm Catholic, man. I was born Catholic, I'll die Catholic. It's a sin to go to any other church because I'm getting high, you know, whatever. And so I would tell her stuff like that. Well, anyway, so I proceeded to corrupt her and, and just, you know, mess her life up. And finally, she just, you know, dumped me. It was good for her to do that. And I remember I was sitting at home one time, and uh, I had faked an injury at work because I was, didn't want to be there. I was getting stoned going to work, and, and that day I didn't want to be there, so I faked that I hurt my knee, and my knee was all swollen from jogging, and, my, and it was kind of messed up already. And I told my boss I hurt it at work. I went to the hospital. They said, you have to have knee surgery. I'm like, sweet, I'll get drugs, and I'll get to hang out at home. And get high. And so I had surgery, went on workman's comp. In the meantime, the doorbell rings at my house one day, and it's this Christian girl, and she hands me a Bible. And uh, she didn't say anything, and she just handed me the Bible. I still own that Bible to this day. I've had it for 37 years. She handed me the Bible, it had my name on the front, and she ran off. And it was during that time, is when that time when I read that Galatians text that I was telling you about a little while ago. But it was from the time that I saw the other girl, the Easter before, it was the next Easter Sunday, I ended up giving my life to the Lord. The Holy Spirit began to convict me. I didn't realize this girl was praying for me. There was a bunch of people at work that I worked with that were Christians that were praying for me because they knew I was such a knucklehead. They had their whole church praying for me. And man, I started, sin started becoming bitter to me. I started having panic attacks, all this stuff, right? Yeah, the, the Holy Spirit was hounding me bad, right? Pray for your lost friends. I remember after I got saved and I told Jeff, my best friend, I go, bro, I'm going to start praying for you. And, and he, he goes, ah, you just whipped out because you were having panic attacks and you're freaking out, bro. You know, and I go, I'm going to pray for you, bro. And so one night he calls me at four in the morning, I'm having a panic attack. I go, praise God. You know, it's like, <laughs> 
so, you know, so he ended up coming to Christ too. But, you know, God was just doing a work in my life and I was under such conviction. But after I became a believer, guess what happened? I crossed over from death to life. Went from darkness to light. That's what happened. And see, guys, that's what's so awesome about what the Lord does in our lives. There's a great verse in the book of Romans, chapter 4, verse 7, 8, and 8. It says, blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed are they whose sins the Lord will never count against him. One of my favorite verses. And then that, that story in Luke, chapter 7, where this sinful woman comes and she's crying and weeping at Jesus' feet. And Simon, this Pharisee, self-righteous Pharisee, goes, if, oh, if he only knew what kind of woman that was that was touching him, he wouldn't allow that. And Jesus says, says to Simon, he talks to him, and then he finally ends up by saying about this woman, this woman has been forgiven much and she loves much. He who's been forgiven little loves little. I feel, that's how I feel, guys. And you know what's hard for me? To believe that Jesus could actually forgive me. I had a hard time letting, letting go of all the horrible things that I had done, all, the, all the, the awful things that I had done to hurt other people. I had such guilt. When I became a believer, it was just so awesome because the Lord did change me. And, and this verse is so beautiful for me because it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. What an amazing thing. Now let me jump back to the story that I was talking about with this Christian girl. So I gave my life to Jesus after this, right? And, and I was all excited, man. I was all on fire for Jesus. I wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. And then one day, I see the Christian girl. And I said to her, I said, thank you so much for praying for me. Thank you for giving me this Bible. Thank you for, you know, trying to tell me about Jesus. And I said, man, I am so sorry that I was so horrible of a person. And sorry that I used you like I did. And sorry that I corrupted you. And I got, got you know, got you involved in, in sin and drinking and partying. She should have never been with me, ever. But she did. And then she told me these words. I'm a believer now. She says to me these words. She started crying and she said, Thank you, Lord, that you, you're saved. She was so happy that I was saved, but she started crying, and she said, she says this. She said that after she had given me that Bible, she found out she was pregnant. And so she knew that I was a horrible person. She knew that I was mean, I was hardened, so she didn't want to tell me. So instead of coming and telling me that she was pregnant, she went and had an abortion. So guys, you know, when, it, when the scripture says you were once darkness, guys, that's where I was. And, and when she told me, I remember as a believer now, I'm a believer now. The Lord's changed my heart. I wept and I wept and I wept. Because of all the pain and the heart, heartache I had caused to all of these people in my life. I wept because of all of my sin and all my selfishness. And that I had murdered my own babies. I had murdered my own kids. And all I can say is thank God every single day. I thank God every day, guys, for the shed blood of Jesus. You guys with me? I thank God every day for that. I thank God that he paid this giant debt when he was hanging on the cross, the, the multitude of sins. His love covers over a multitude of sins. And I've been forgiven much. And yet I didn't deserve any of that. 
It's the great mercy and grace of God that he forgives us the guilt of our sin. You know, when people say Jesus saves to the uttermost, or when he, they say he saves to the guttermost, I know exactly how that feels because he saved such a wretched person as I was. And he saved me from this deep, dark pit, and he snatched me from the fire of hell. That's where I was headed, and that's what I deserved, 100%. But as we look back at our verse here again, he says, but now you are light in the Lord. And what a stark contrast between who we were B.C. and what we become now that we are in Christ. We were so lost, but now in Christ we are a new creation. We are light in the Lord. And light represents beautiful things, doesn't it? It represents God. It, re it represents illumination, understanding, righteousness, holiness, purity, truth. Guys, this is my real testimony now. My real testimony is what the Lord has done. What the Lord is doing in my life every single day. That's my testimony. Guys, I've walked with Jesus for 36 years. And let me tell you a little of this beautiful part of the testimony. The beautiful part of the testimony is that Jesus has blessed me with a wife of 35 years. I've been married to the same woman for 35 years. That right there is a miracle. Because I used to think, I don't want to be with one woman. I want lots. And the Lord brought me my wife. And I remember my wife found out. How much time I got here? Oh, I'm doing good. My wife found out. When my wife found out about all the stuff that I had done, it was kind of a crazy story. We were getting married, and she had, and I went to the same high school, so she sort of knew about my past a little bit and reputation. And so we were getting ready to get married, and it was on a, we were going to get married on a Tuesday, July the 6th, at Roosevelt Park, Pastor Skip was going to marry us. And on Sunday, we had a bachelor party, just barbecue and all that, no party, no, dr no drugs, I left all that lifestyle behind, no drinking. We're just having a barbecue, me and my Christian friends, some of the guys came, and her brother had come home from the military the first time I met him. And he stayed all the way till the end, everybody left, and him and I stayed hanging out. And I had never told my wife about all the horrible things that I had done. And so I'm there talking with him, his name's Corey, we're talking back and forth, he starts kind of opening up, so I open up and I start sharing with him how the Lord had forgiven me and how he changed my life and all the garbage, the same stuff I just told you, I start telling him. So we stayed up talking and we hit it off, you know. Well anyway, he goes home that night, next morning, which is Monday morning, they're having breakfast and he looks across the table and he says to his mom in front of my wife, he says, man, Joseph shared with me some stuff that he's never told anybody. Big mistake to say in front of my wife. She shows up at my house, at our apartment. We're getting, we have the apartment. It's Monday. We're getting married the next night. And she walks in. She goes, ooh, she's crying her eyes out. I'm like, what happened? She goes, you told my brother stuff you never told me. I thought you loved me. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh, no, you know? And I said, look, I don't want to tell you about my, la my life. I don't want to tell you about my past. It's horrible. And she goes, yeah, but if you love me, then you'll tell me. And I said, okay, but if you love me, you won't leave me. <laughs> I told her. <laughs> you, you won't dump me and cancel the wedding, right? So anyway, I ended up just telling her. And I said, and here's, here was the cool part. I said, I want you to know that if I ever see any of these women, these girls, they're women, they'll be women now. If I ever see any of them, I want you to give me permission if we see them, first of all, I said, if, any ever, if anyone ever walks up to me and just slaps me out of the blue, then you know that's probably one of those girls, right? So I just want you to know that, you know, I told her. And I said, give me permission to tell them, if I see them, to share the love of Jesus with them. 
and to tell them I'm sorry. And you know what's amazing? Every single one of them I ended up seeing after that. And I got to share the gospel with them. So, you know, God's good. God's merciful. You know, God, is, God has allowed me to do some stuff after I messed up to, to, to you know, not make up for it, but to, to at least tell them about the love of Jesus and what Jesus Christ has done. So I'm a blessed, blessed man. I'm blessed in that I have this beautiful wife. I have four children. Guys, I don't deserve any kids. I have four awesome children. And not only that, my son, well, my oldest son and my oldest daughter have now produced five awesome grandkids. And oh my gosh. And I, I mean, I, I've been in love with my kids, but my grandkids, man, I am in love with those little rascals. I think one of them's here this morning. Zach, are you here? Yeah, there's, there's my little grandson right over there, buddy boy. Hey, buddy boy. Come up here, buddy boy. Hurry. No, he's too shy. All right, never mind. I told him I was going to try to make him come up. He's like, don't, Grandpa. I'm not going up there, he told me. But, you know, for me, what a blessing. And I've been pastoring, serving the Lord all these years, pastoring for 25 years. And all I can say, guys, is I'm blessed beyond measure. It's the grace of God. See, when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us in the new birth, He changes us. We become light. We were once darkness, but now we're light in the Lord. This radical transformation takes place inside of our lives. Jesus said this in John 8, 12. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So now, guys, when we come to Jesus, we become children of the light. We are light in the Lord because of who lives inside of us. Jesus, the light of the world, lives inside of us. Now we, as believers, are to notice in verse 8, the last part there, he says, he says, walk as children of light. Guys, what does that mean? Walk as children of light. It means that we're to walk in a new life. We're to walk in a new direction. You know, I... uh, I don't have a bad temper, but I went through a period of time, it seemed like when I was being tested in the area of anger. This not too long ago, a couple years ago. And I remember these homeboys in my town. They were driving, driving in a lowrider. And they came up behind me, and they started to pass me, because I guess they thought I was, going, I was going the speed limit for once. And I was going the speed limit, and they started passing me, and when they got even with me, they just flipped me off, the passenger. And man, I remember I welled up with anger on the inside. And I go, what the heck's his problem, man? I didn't do nothing to these guys. He flips me off. I'm going to follow these guys and tell them something. Not about Jesus either. I'm going to tell them something else, you know. And I'm, I'm going to follow them. I'm telling them this, something. And, and then the Lord, like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He goes, Joseph, you can't do that. He said, they might have a gun. And then I look down. I go, yeah, but I got a gun. And I'm probably a better shot, I told the Lord. And then the Lord said, Joseph, you're a pastor. You can't be shooting people. (laughs) I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, Lord. I guess I won't do anything then. So now you are light in the Lord, he says. We're to walk as children of light. A new walk, a new direction, a transformed life. Walk speaks of progress. It speaks of movement. It speaks of direction. It speaks of a lifestyle. And see, light determines direction. And so light, we were once in darkness, groping and blind, and now we have light. And the Word of God is to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. 
We're to walk as children of light. 1 John 1.8. Turn over there real quick. We're getting ready to wrap this up. But look at 1 John 1.8. I love this. Let's go back to 1 John 1.5. It says, This is the message that we have heard from him, and we declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But notice this. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So guys, we're called to walk in the light, to walk in truth. We belong to the Lord now. We're not in the darkness anymore. We're not darkness now. We're light in the Lord. And that's how he wants us to be living. Guys, God obviously cares about you men, and he cares about our walk. How much? Let's end with this. Look at these verses here in Ephesians just to give you an idea of what Paul is talking about here. Look at Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10, notice what he says. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that, notice, we should walk in them. Look at 4.1. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Ephesians 5.1 and 2. Notice what he says there. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. Just as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Then our verse, right? Walk as children of light. And then look it down at verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Guys, we once walked as fools, didn't we? Walked as fools. You can hear how, what a fool I was. But the Lord came to save fools like me and like some of you. And we need Jesus. We need Jesus. So let's close by reading this verse together once more. Can you pop the verse back up there? And, and let's read it out loud together. And let's read it from the heart, man. Let's, this verse is amazing because it tells of many of us in our testimony. Ready? For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Guys, my exhortation to you. If you're in darkness, give your life to Christ today. Stop, stop staying there. Because ultimately darkness leads to hell. But here's the neat thing. No matter how dark your life has been, you don't have to stay there. I was once darkness, but now I'm light in the Lord. He wants us to become His. And then He wants us to walk as though we are His. That our lives represent Him in this world. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here together, Lord. It's such a blessing to be here with my fellow brothers in Christ. And I just pray, Father, that you'd work in all of our hearts today to bring about your will, to bring about cha changes that need to be changed. And Lord, if, if any of us are delving with or flirting with or playing with the darkness, God, that today you would cleanse us of all of that. 
that we might be washed by the blood of Jesus and made clean and filled with the Holy Spirit and walk in the light, walk in truth, walk in love. Lord, make us a new man. Change us. And just real quickly, if any of you guys here either want to give your life to Christ or you have struggled with the same things I struggle with or you have guilt that you need prayer for and you want to be cleansed, I don't know how to come up, but just stand up and say, man, I know, I know I need to be cleansed and I've struggled with guilt. God can take that guilt from you. I know because I've been there. I see you stand up. Anyone else, just stand up wherever you're at. If you struggle with any of these things, guys, it's okay. It's okay. I know a lot of you guys probably were knuckleheads like I was. But the Lord can heal and cleanse. So let me pray for you guys. Father, these men that have stood up, I, I pray for them. Lord, that you would just wash them completely, Jesus. That you would wash them so completely and so thoroughly that you would just remove all the gunk and all the dirt and all the guilt from their lives, that you would clean them. Jesus, that you would have mercy on them and that you would forgive them all of their sins. Lord, we're all sinners. And apart from your grace, Lord, we're like those pigs. We just sin. We just do nasty stuff. But Lord, you came to make us a new creation to change our lives forever. And I pray for every one of these men that are standing that you would just wash them and cleanse them and heal them and restore them and help them to start to be godly men and to walk in the light from this day forward. We ask these things and we give you praise, Jesus, for your mercy. Amen. You guys can be seated. God bless you guys.